to Active Energy, a podcast featuring conversations shaping the future of energy. During Climate Week 2019, 87 companies announced they would be stepping up their climate commitments, setting climate targets across their company and value chains to meet the 1.5 degree call to action. Combating climate change is everyone's responsibility, and the key to achieving meaningful progress toward a net zero future is innovation and collaboration. While many companies have made these commitments, the path to achieve them isn't clear. In this podcast, our experts discuss steps organizations can take to successfully adopt climate commitments. They share insights and tips from other companies on how to implement a path toward carbon neutrality. This week's conversation features sustainability solutions architect Nathan Schuler and international consultancy manager Gabrielle Demore. Before we get into the episode, I want to give you a quick update that Active Energy will be going on hiatus for the holiday. We will return in January with a bonus episode featuring some information about the NEO network. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Nathan Shuley with Schneider Electric's Energy and Sustainability Services team. Thanks for listening in today. I'm joined by my colleague Gabriel from France, and we'll be talking primarily today about the climate week that just wrapped up here in 2019. There's been a lot of interesting news coming out. Um, I know the focus for a lot of folks has been about the climate strike and some recent announcements about the 87 companies that made really ambitious goals around uh, 1.5 degree science-based targets and longer-term carbon neutrality, and even some reports about financing the low-carbon future, announcements from different investor groups about recommitting to evaluating climate change within their portfolios, and broader initiatives like the Planet Business for Biodiversity Coalition. So a lot of really exciting announcements that came out during the week, but in particular, we wanted to focus today on the topic of carbon neutrality and the apparent rise and re-entry of carbon neutrality as a major topic for goal setting. So Gabriel, it's apparent that carbon neutrality is back. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Hey, so hi everyone. Thanks Nathan for uh, the intro. and. So yeah, um, for me, this is really the the, the clearly new thing uh, that came up lately, I would say, uh, this year, and especially with the late um, 1.5 degree report from the IPCC. So what we see is two things. First, uh, we see a lot of carbon neutrality commitments uh, that have uh, that have, that have been made by companies, and, and you mentioned some of them. We see Amazon, we see Caring, we see Schneider Electric, a lot of other French companies like Saint-Gobain, a huge uh, uh, construction materials leader, have made carbon neutrality commitments. Um, and really, this, to me, what, what, what's, what's important to understand is uh, the relation with the 1.5 degree IPCC report, which is kind of opening a way to uh, actual negative emissions uh, in order to meet the emission pathways in order to reach the 1.5 degree target. So uh, those two things are really the, 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 new, the new things that have come in 2019 and have been really confirmed uh, lately in the, in the recent climate week. Um, maybe one thing that is interesting right here would be to cover our company's commitment because it's um, it's an interesting one, I'd say. So basically what we have just said is that we originally had a 
2030 goal for carbon neutrality. And this is conceived in our extended ecosystem. So now we want to reach this by 2025. And in order to do so, we're going to take into account uh, the actual emissions that we enable to avoid through our products and services. So that's something that's quite interesting. Um, and the key thing is, is, is that it comes together with uh, net zero operational emissions target by 2030. So that means we're going to be zero emissions by 2030 on our scope one and two. And I think those two things really go together and are, are really complementary uh, in order to make a, um, a leading climate strategy. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Gabriel, the uh, interconnectedness that, that lots of these different goals can have. I know um, when Schneider Electric joined, as you said, the, the major companies at last week uh, during Climate Week about this establishment of the 1.5 degree commitment, it also did have that longer term 2050 carbon neutrality objective. And I think that's something that a lot of companies will, will ask us is, you know, when we're evaluating what targets are the right targets to set, what should we be thinking about? And while there's general consensus that science-based targets is the, the new gold standard, I think there's a lot of ways that you can mix and match and nest different targets within one, within one another. So having a renewable 100, an RE100 goal that's uh, helping to inform your scope 2 reduction, that's inside of a science-based target, that's a little bit longer term, but then with that more really long-term objective of getting to carbon neutrality by a very far out uh, period. So I think, it's a, I think it's a great point just to say that all those different things connect in that way. So maybe just a little bit more on uh, just our own role that, uh, that we played in helping to set the goal that Shire Electric have made. Yeah, so I think this is exactly how you, how you put it, basically. So what's good now in climate is that we have a standard, and the standard is uh, the ambition to remain uh, under 1.5 degree uh, world temperature increase. So we initially set our own, let's say, uh, scope one and two targets that were in line with uh, initially a two degree scenario. Um, but not validated by the SDT. Um, that was really the first step we, we, we took, and those targets were going to be achieved by efficiency, progress, and renewable energy um, um, implementation. Then we went a little beyond that and uh, submitted our science-based target. That required us to also look at our scope three emissions and find ways to, 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 to reduce them in, in line also with the 1.5 degree scenario. So we got the science-based target stamp uh, earlier this year, and um, that was a that was a great uh, piece of work uh, that involved our teams, so energy and sustainability services, and obviously the Schneider Electric Corporate Sustainability Team. Um, now, in parallel, what we were doing was also working on our RE100 strategy. Um, 
with the objective to identify the options available for Schneider Electric all over the world um, and create a roadmap for the conversion of our electricity mix to uh, 100% renewable by 2030. So these were really um, the key milestones that we were following and now uh, we're facing a new challenge, I would say, uh, to become zero emissions by 2030, which will require to work even harder on our scope one emissions in order to, to reach that, uh, that net zero target. And in parallel, we'll be uh, also offsetting some of our emissions, the ones that will be the, that's the hardest to reduce. Yeah, I thought that was, um, you know, when I originally saw the announcement, I think that was the first time I'd seen a 100% reduction on scope one. So um, hats, off to, hats off to ourselves for being that ambitious on that. So um, yeah, I think you you mentioned a little bit about uh, the efficiency and renewables and some of the levers that would be pulled for uh, hitting these goals, whether it's carbon neutrality or science-based targets or what have you. But what other opportunities do you see companies um, unlocking when they decide and commit to being carbon neutral or being very aggressive on climate action? Yeah. I think that's a good question because what we need to highlight here is is, is the specificity of Schneider Electric. So, as I said earlier, our carbon neutrality goal is considered taking into account uh, what we call our extended ecosystem, which is basically the fact that we are generated um, emissions reduction through the products that we're selling. And this is a clear company strategy um, that uh, our CEO just uh, uh, highlighted again during our innovation summit um, this week earlier in, uh, in uh, Barcelona. So this is really our way to see our overall carbon neutrality um, in what we call our extended ecosystem. Um, in parallel to that, as I said, we have the net zero operational emissions and for this we will do our best to reduce as much as we can our scope two and scope one emissions and then we'll be using a little bit of offset. So what you see here is that our approach to carbon neutrality is very linked to our business. It can be a little bit different if you take other industries like food and beverage where you don't typically have, let's say, um, an emissions reduction effect of uh, the product use, basically. So they tend to have carbon neutrality commitments that differ a little bit from ours in the sense that they would typically focus on scope one and two emissions and have either what they could call a carbon neutrality target or a net zero emission target with uh, obviously first the reduction of their emissions, most of the time in line with uh, a 1.5 degree scenario. And then on top of that, the offsetting of the remaining emissions, which uh, they couldn't uh, uh, or they wouldn't be able to reduce. Um, so that's a little, uh, you know, different way to see, see things. Um, and we also see a lot of examples. Um, I have in mind a, a big uh, uh, beverage uh, producer who have 
carbon neutrality target at the level of their production sites. And so here again, they're kind of transposing that approach of having zero scope one and two emissions, or at least what we would say net zero scope one and two emissions, which means reducing those emissions as much as they can and then offsetting the, the, the rest of those emissions. So uh, that's something that's quite interesting. Um, at the moment, we, there are, I guess, many carbon ways to see carbon neutrality depending on the company, its organization, its industry, and uh, the sources of its emissions, basically. Yeah, I think it's a great point that, you know, sector to sector, there's going to be a little bit of nuance for how companies adopt this um, and this being sort of carbon neutrality or just generally more climate action. Um, it's going to look different because your supply chain, whether or not you're producing a product, you're delivering a service, um, how far up or down in the supply chain you are, how much control you have in that. I think that's all incredibly relevant um, for lots of companies who are probably struggling with where do I start and how do I find uh, sort of the the best proxy for me to look at. And sometimes that's going to be within your own industry or industries that look pretty similar to you. Now, um, I, I think one of the things that I found really interesting with carbon neutrality recently coming back up is that, as you said, there's sort of a – it could be applied to maybe it's a product line or a facility or a corporate um, – footprint or even scope three. Um, what is your, and maybe it's a guess at this time, but what's your thoughts on where carbon neutrality is going to be going, especially on the heels of the announcements from the um, 87 companies that made these really massive supply chain scope one and two carbon neutrality goals? Is that going to be more the norm or do you think it's going to be more the facility specific or product line specific thing? Yeah. I hope I get this one right, um, and future won't prove me wrong. But so I'd say what we are increasingly seeing is corporate-wide uh, commitments. I think we've seen um, quite a lot of product carbon neutrality labeling. At least, I mean, quite a lot uh, on some specific products. That has that that has been the case for some time. Um, the the really new thing for me is is uh, those carbon neutrality corporate wide commitments. So now again, the key point here is there is no actual standard for uh, an organization to be saying I'm carbon neutral, and you have to be careful about what's behind that. Um, so the caring example is interesting because. They, are, they have a common neutrality goal and they, 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 they've committed to, to offset 100% of their carbon emissions, including their upstream supply chain. So uh, like, that is scope three emissions. That is, I think, pretty uh, unique or rare at the moment, but what we see from climate leaders is really scope one and two carbon neutrality commitments. Um, and again, the key challenge is going to be for me um, the fact that the, the methodology behind that is not so straightforward. Uh, that analysts and you know the, the various stakeholders are going to have to be careful about what's behind that, what's the methodology, what's the definition of carbon neutrality, and I would say that my my opinion is any type of commitment on carbon neutrality has to be um, has to come together with an actual emissions reduction uh, target. So typically, 
if you have a carbon neutrality commitment that is not backed by a science-based target commitment that is going to that, that is going to make you reduce your emissions in line with um, uh, a science-based target scenario, then it may sound uh, that uh, you're buying yourself uh, out of you know reducing your own emissions by offsetting. So I would say. You know, there's no standard yet, as I said, but I think uh, there will, there's going to be some scrutiny. And um, just as it was the case uh, 10 or 20 years ago, uh, the priority is reducing emissions and um, offsetting whatever remains. Perfect. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, and I think the other thing, and, and maybe this is just more of me giving a, uh, also my projection, if you will, of what I think the future is going to go. One of the things, it didn't really happen a lot in Climate Week, but I've seen it um, be more of a conversation point. This notion of um, beyond carbon neutrality it is the step of regenerative business models, where it's not just that you're going carbon neutral, but you're now also sinking more carbon, you're sequestering more carbon than your organization actually uses. Gabriel, I don't know if that's been a conversation point, even if it's just kind of out in the fringe with any of the folks that you work with in the EU. Yeah, I think it is, it's a good point, and it's I think it relates to to the to the first point I made uh, uh, around the 1.5 degree uh, report from IPCC in December 2018. Um, transition pathways to 1.5 degree scenarios include negative emissions. So I said now it is part of the game, and that is to me what justifies uh, such commitments as you were saying. Um, I guess the big question is companies are going to have to see what makes sense for them in terms of actual, uh, let's say, positive um, carbon um, um, emissions or, well, I'd say rather negative carbon emissions. Um, so typically, if I take the example of Schneider Electric, the offsets that we are using for our emissions are coming from projects that are related to our activity um, and investments that we're making in access to energy by basically replacing fuel-based um, energy with renewable energy. Um, and I would say that a lot of companies, depending on their activities and their sector and what makes sense also in their overall value chain are thinking the same and trying to see how they can have um, you know an actual an actual positive net positive impact on uh, the overall carbon emissions by doing something that makes sense for their supply chain if you take the example of the uh, food and bed um, you know there's a lot to be done in terms of upstream agricultural emissions and actually having you know, productive ecosystems that are storing more carbon than they're actually uh, uh, generating. So I'd say a lot of things are going to happen in that field. Perfect. Yeah, and I, I like the, the notion of supply chain specific initiatives or supply chain relevant initiatives, it kind of reminds me of how the conversation has evolved on the renewables front where uh, the, the 
pressure now, I would say, from folks in the nonprofit community or just more broadly is, you know, you have to be figuring out how do you make a uh, new addition, an additionality concept for renewables. In some ways, I think you're kind of saying the same thing. It's, it's how do you uh, contribute a project that is directly associated with the activity that you're doing within your supply chain um, or your value chain more broadly. So I think it's it'd be interesting to see how that plays out to see if that get, that gets uh, labeled in some way. Maybe there's a new catchy phrase that comes out um, or if it just kind of picks up steam. Yeah. So to this point, uh, I think some, I don't, I, well, there was earlier the notion of insetting versus offsetting, where offsetting would be, um, you know, you offset emissions based on projects that have little to do with your activity, and insetting was a concept that was created in order to, 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 to illustrate the fact that you do something that actually makes sense in um, um, in the perspective of your overall value chain. So I think this is something that maybe was too early at the time it, it, it came up and, and maybe yeah. come back. Um, and then more broadly, as, as, as we said, um, you know, the transition pathways that we have to follow include uh, carbon removal. So it, there might eventually be also a thinking around uh, just the same, just the same principle as we are, uh, as we have for some carbon markets, uh, and and thinking of, about the fact that we are basically going to favor the uh, most relevant uh, solutions, uh, be they carbon storage uh, or uh, reforestation or whatever else, based on um, their uh, economic cost and, uh, um, and 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 feasibility. That might happen as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Definitely too potentially too early. Good idea. Um, you know, I think of like uh, uh, for our U.S. listeners, uh, I think Jimmy Carter when he started putting solar panels on the uh, the White House, but that was uh, several years before sustainability was really getting its uh, in its heyday. So, uh, got teared down in the next administration. Um, anyway, uh, so. I'd be curious, um, you know, we've talked a lot about how companies are setting these targets and what the targets are, but maybe you could elaborate a little bit more on how companies can go about setting their roadmap to uh, carbon neutrality, because, you know, as we've talked about so far, it's really not a one-size-fits-all for each company, each sector. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to give you what I think are key principles that at least should be um, every company should have in mind. So the first one I already mentioned it is is really emissions reduction. So again, I, I think it's really more legitimate to set a carbon neutrality goal if you already have a science-based target, just because it means you're investing in reducing your own emissions. And it's actually good and, and, and economically sensible to do so because eventually um, this is also going to be uh, operational effectiveness. Um, um, so that's the first thing. Uh, reducing your emissions and doing it um, following a science target. Then the second thing is thinking about what uh, carbon neutrality is for your business. And as we said, it may depend on your overall carbon footprint and 
you know, uh, including your upstream and downstream value chains, and, and, and typically whether your own products use or products uh, or production upstream value chain is actually um, contributing to emitting carbon or storing some or reducing or avoiding emissions. So that's, that's a key thing to have in mind. And so based on this, uh, it's having, you know, a clear definition of what carbon neutrality means for your own organization. And then after that, uh, we've talked about it. Offsetting is a solution and that will enable basically to, to, to reduce or offset the remaining emissions that cannot be reduced. And um, I would say back to our conversation, I think what, what, what will make sense is to be looking at what typical offsetting solutions make the most sense uh, and deliver the most value considering a company's activity. And, 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 and I'll come back to the example of Schneider Electric on access to energy or reforestation or uh, you know, new agricultural practices for food and bed companies and so on and so forth. Right, right. So I would say those three items are for now the key points to have in mind when, when setting a, a carbon neutrality target until um, there is a standard like what we have for science-based target that may, you know, um, emerge and and, and 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 generalize for carbon neutrality. Yeah, I, I think I tend to agree. Um, there, you know, there's organizations out there that are that have certifications for carbon neutrality. I think it's uh, moving a little bit more broad. Um, so some kind of uh, standard, especially when we get into the scope three side, is going to be um, increasingly necessary to start doing good comparisons and make sure these these goals are legitimate. Um, so maybe a little bit more. Um, I think we we talked just briefly about the insetting versus um, offsetting, but just general pros and cons that you feel about offsetting and uh, going through that kind of procurement process, and and even more broadly, just what does that you know mean for a company, um, and maybe what are some of the disadvantages in particular um, for broader goals like science-based targets? Yeah. So I don't. I'm not going to say much new, but um, I think really. What we need, what we need to have in mind is that, uh, you know, five, ten years ago, offsetting was kind of um, looked at as a way to buy oneself out of doing the effort of reducing emissions, and um, you know that criticism might have been legitimate at the time. So again, um, if you're doing the job and reducing your emissions, I don't think offsetting is a is an issue, um, and you know there are very reliable standards out there uh, that provides the necessary transparency and the choice a variety of, uh, of, of projects uh, that are actually you know contributing to offsetting emissions so then I would say back to my point on what makes sense and uh, for, for a company's activity um, I think what's important is to know what a company wants to contribute to in terms of offsetting emissions if it's reforestation, if it's um, uh, access to energy, if it's uh, uh, renewable energy uh, projects that may generate offsets, and so on and so forth. So it, it, it's, it's totally accessible 
it makes sense now. Uh, it's part of the solution as well, but uh, companies need, need to think how to make some sense out, out of you know offsetting activities and and uh, and not just consider this as an extra budget to reach a, a carbon neutrality target. Perfect. Perfect. Well, uh, with that, I know we're right at the end of our time. Um, I think to summarize a little bit about uh, just the conversation, it was a lot of really exciting stuff coming out of Climate Week. Um, really great ambition to see from the, the corporate sector, the private sector. And throughout this conversation, I think we've really been trying to highlight a need for thinking about the context of your business and how you can position reduction activities and do initiatives that are relevant and appropriate to the context of your business and how you you operate as an organization. Um, and when we think about these, these broader goals like carbon neutrality and science-based targets, they're going to be big. They're going to be ambitious. They're going to probably be a little bit unknown. But Hopefully, we've given you a little bit of confidence of some, some next steps and ways that you can evaluate uh, within your own organization how you might be getting ready to do these targets or actually make successful reductions. So uh, thanks, everyone, for, for joining in, and thanks, Gabriel, for uh, sharing some of your thoughts. Thanks, Nathan. Pleasure to talk to you, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening to the Active Energy Podcast. We're thankful that you decided to spend some time with us. If you could leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening, be sure to share with your coworkers and like-minded people and give us a follow on social media. We're on Twitter at, at SchneiderESS. LinkedIn and Facebook, you can find us by searching SchneiderESS. We're also starting a LinkedIn group that is specifically for listeners of the podcast. It's a great place to interact with peers and to continue the conversation from each episode. And you can interact with the guests from each episode. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.